Go please to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We began some weeks ago on a series entitled The Goodness of God. The Goodness of God. Do you believe he's good? Do you believe you know all about how good he is? Or you reckon there's more you could find out about how good he is? In Psalm 34 and verse 8. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see. Now, he said that the Lord is good. You know when you started out with an O that it must have been good. Somebody made something good, some kind of good food. And you start out going, Oh, you got to try that. Well, oh, you need to try how good the Lord is. Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Verse 10 says the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. That's the strongest of the strong. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Other scripture talked about those that seek him, he will reward them with good. And this comes back to Hebrews 11.6. Without faith. It's impossible to please him. And then he talks about two specific areas you have to have faith in to even approach to God, get to know him, know anything about him. Number one, you must believe that he is, that he's real, that he exists, that he's God. Now, if uh, that was fully manifested in the flesh, you wouldn't have to believe it. Uh, when people say, well, you know, there's no evidence that God is real. Everything around you is evidence that God is real. Where did it come from? How did it get here? But God is not revealing himself to people who choose not to believe that he exists. To them, they will be, like we're talking about Friday, blind, deaf, and dumb spiritually their whole life it can be to them like there's no God, but it won't be God's fault or God's choice. It's because they refused to believe what's right in front of them all the time. Amen. But not us. Amen. I said not us by the grace of God. Amen. We do believe. Amen. Do you believe that he is? Yeah. That he exists? Yeah. That he's real and that he is God? Creator of heavens and earth. Yeah. He's real. Yeah. It's a choice. Sometimes people say, well, I just... I'm an educated person. I just can't believe such far-fetched notions as that. That's that's a lie. You choose not to believe it. By nature of what faith is, it's a choice. Hmm? It's just a choice. But you also must believe something else. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You put that with these other scriptures, you'll see a rewarder of what? Of good. A reward is not something bad. A reward is something good. And this is a revelation about his nature. You not only must believe that he exists. You need to believe that he is by nature a good giver God. Come on do you believe this? He's good. Now I know that you think well everybody knows that. No they don't. Millions of Christians believe God has a dark side, a cruel side. They do. They do not believe he is all good and only good. And this is the devil's work. The devil prefers that you don't believe he exists at all. And that you therefore attribute all of his activities to God. And that you make God responsible in your mind for everything, good and evil. But if you believe that, you're duped. You're fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't be duped. Believe the truth and get free. Oh, what a load it'll lift off of your heart. What a cloud it'll remove off your mind when you acknowledge and realize none of my problems are from God. He is not a killer. He is not a thief. He is not a destroyer. None of that is of him or from him or even his will. None of it is. None of it is. None of it is. He is good. 
He's all good. He's only good. And always will be. Good. Hallelujah. Woo. I'd preach that to myself. Today's English version says, find out for yourself how good the Lord is. Uh, in Psalm uh, 119.68, 119.68, he says, you are good in IV, and what you do is good. The Living Bible says just what we've been talking about, 119.68, you are good and do only good. Somebody say, only good. The message says, you are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. And that's one reason we're camping in this series. Say this out loud, please, if you believe it. Telling the Lord from you to him. Say it out loud. You are good. You are good. And the source of good. And the source of good. You are good. You are good. And only good. And only good. Train me. Train me. In your goodness. Glory to God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Only good. Only good. Only good. Now, uh, go with me, please, in the Scriptures to the book of Hebrews. We ended with this last time, I believe. Hebrews 5, 13. Hebrews 5.13, and let's look at the NIV. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. And what did this training involve? Being able to distinguish, to differentiate To discern between what? Between good. Good from evil. Now a lot of times instead of saying evil in our modern vernacular. We'd probably just say bad. The opposite of good. But that's what evil is. But we're talking about it's by nature it's good. By nature it's bad. Or evil. And uh, so much revelation just in these two verses here. Just because you're a Christian, or just because you've been a Christian or a churchgoer for a long time, doesn't mean you have developed or grown up spiritually. You could have been born again, churchgoer, for 40 years and still be absolutely an infant spiritually in Christ. And this explains a lot of things. Why somebody in a 70-year-old body acts like a two-year-old. Huh? (laughs) Did I lose somebody? (laughs) Why? Because by reason of time, they should have developed and grown up, but development is not automatic. You don't develop just by reason of time. And sadly, just because you go to church for 40 years does not mean you grow up. If all you ever got was skim milk. (laughs) Did I lose somebody? What you, I've heard this, the the last few months, this this phrase has come, uh, somebody was telling me the Lord told them this in Sarasota, and, and somebody from Branson recently, and some other folks, the same idea that the Lord had them relocate to where the church was, and told them this, that the caliber of word in their life was going to determine the caliber of their life. Would that be true or not? Well, whose word are we talking about? Well, then that directly connects to the caliber or measure of God in your life. Well, certainly that's going to affect the measure of what kind of life you have. So it does make a huge difference what you hear and what you believe. And how you think. And how you talk. And how you live. What your priorities are. What your values are. And you don't know what to believe. You don't know what's right and wrong. Not on either. Unless and until we hear from him. And he tells us. From his word. And by his spirit. This is good. Choose this. This is bad. Leave this alone. 
Amen. Thank you. Look back at this verse again, verse 14. Solid food is for the mature. The Lord wants us to grow up. What do you have to do with solid food? You got to chew it. What do you do with milk? You just swallow it. You don't have to chew it. (laughs) So if you hear some things sometime around here that you think, hmm, I got to chew on that. Well, good. (laughs) Good. You chew with your mind. The ear tastes words like the mouth tastes food. And when you hear it, that doesn't mean it instantly becomes a part of you internally. Just like you you take food into your mouth and it's not a part of you until you chew it. And it's still not a part of you until what? Until you swallow it and it gets inside of you. Now I'm not making this up. I remember Jesus said man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you hear this phrase all the time. You are what you eat. Well your body. What's your body made out of? Look at your body. What are we looking at? Cornbread? Beans? Mashed potatoes? Is that right? Your body didn't make these, uh, this tissue out of nothing. Out of thin air. You had to put the building materials in there. Right? And of course you only eat junk. And you only eat bad stuff. Uh, you do that year after year. That's going to affect you, right? Or you get something good quality in you, that's going to affect you. Well, how much more so spiritually? Spiritually. What are you hearing? And so from hearing the word and and taking, you know, milk, something that's very light, very easy, obviously understood, simple. You just hear that and go, yes, and swallow it. And that's what babies need. Babies can't eat T-bones. No. Don't give them one. But I mean, no, when the baby is 22 years old and still wants nothing but a bottle, something's wrong. Is that right? Something's really wrong. And we have churches full of people all over the country, all over the world. They will take nothing but milk. Not even whole milk. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, what would solid food, what kind of qualities would solid spiritually food have? It's going to require something of you. I said it's going to require action, change, commitment. And you begin to get to some of that. That's where folks begin to go, hey, hey, I got up, I combed my hair, I came. I even put a dollar in the offering. What more do you want? It ain't me. It's not me that wants more. The Lord told you, if you're going to be his disciple, it's going to cost you everything. You got to be willing. Is that right? To leave everything, do anything. But you're not going to get to that place. You're not going to grow up to that place of unselfishness and commitment being like the master until you quit drinking just milk and you begin to chew these things and be willing to receive them and grow up. And what happens through that process, read the end of the verse, verse 14. What happens is by continual and constant exercise, you are trained. To distinguish between what's good and what's bad. Man, this is wonderful, saints. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Two of the greatest things you could ever learn in life is what to yield to and what to resist. People are confused all over the place. You got Christians yielding to terminal disease. Believing God's teaching them something through it. And actually being hypocritical about it because they'll go to the doctor and try to get some help to get rid of something that in church they say they believe God gave them. 
If you really believe that God gave it to you, don't try to get rid of it. How many understand? Some of this junk, people don't believe it anywhere else except in church for 30 minutes. That's right. Amen. And when they get back in real life, they call it, they don't believe that. No, no, no. Disease is not of God. You should resist it, yes. Fight it with the doctors. Fight it with everything you know. Most importantly, with your faith. Stand against it. Live and don't die. And fulfill your life and call in ministry. Amen. Don't give us in this junk about God put it on you to teach you something. We don't buy that. How many understand you need to know what to resist and not play with it? How many understand poverty is to be resisted? Poverty is evil. People say, well, you know, I I learned a lot of things being broke. Not something you couldn't have learned more comfortably being wealthy. (laughs) Don't feed me that. I've been poor. And I've been not so poor. I never want to be poor. There there is no redeeming quality in being poor. Think about it. People are starving to death on the planet because of lack of something decent to eat. That's poverty to the extreme. Now, if a lot of it is evil, why is a little of it okay? It's the same evil stuff. Lack is not of God. No. Now people try to tell us that. They try to tell us if we're really, really committed to God, we should take vows of poverty. It ain't in the Bible. I said it's not in the Bible. It's not true. We don't accept it. Now this is something that a lot of people get mad about. They try to set themselves up as a standard. And what they're saying is, they don't need all that. That's too much for them. What do they need with all that? Well, who made you the standard? So what you're saying is we should have exactly the same as what you have. No more. No less. Why are you the standard? Did I lose something? Boy, you hear how quiet it got it. <laughs> he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Jesus said the thief comes not, but for to steal and kill and destroy. The Amplified, he said, I am come that you may have and enjoy life. To the full until it overflows. He's the God of abundance. He's the God who gave Abraham too many cows, too many sheep, too many goats. Is that right? He's the God who runs your cup over. He's the God who gave them too many fish for their nets. You remember that? Their nets broke and the ship sank. How come he gave Didn't he know how many fish to give them without breaking their nets? Yes. Wouldn't he know how to fill your cup to the last drop until it ran over so that he didn't waste any? Yes, he would. But that's not how he thinks. He runs it over. It spills on the table. It runs off the table, onto the floor. It runs out the floor, out the door. And you say, God, God, it's a running everywhere. And he goes, I know. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? He's the God of abundance. He's a net breaking, ship sinking, too many goats, too many sheep, cup running over, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, good, God. You believe it? Then don't yield to any degree of lack. Don't accept it. Don't endorse it. Don't agree with it. Yield to abundance. Resist poverty. Resist it. I don't care if you're, if you've got nothing and are less than nothing, you got all kind of huge debt. That's not where it changes. It changes right in here. You begin to believe inside that I'm no longer going to accept this for my life. I'm going to believe God. I'm coming out. And that's where your miracle begins. Just with a choice. To say, I'm resisting that. And I'm receiving this. Well, how would you know which one to resist and which one to receive? Some of you are more stirred up about it right now than you were 30 minutes ago. It's because we're preaching the Word. Hmm? We're quoting scriptures, right? It's the Word that enlightens us and lets us know. This is good. This is evil. 
this is right, this is wrong. Receive this, resist this. Amen. And if it was obvious what's right and wrong, good and evil, you wouldn't need to be continually exercised and developed to where you can distinguish it. Do not assume I'm educated, I'm a smart man or woman, I know the difference between good and evil. No, you don't unless the Lord reveals it to you. And that's where you can get in trouble because you'll wind up in your ignorance treating this like it's good and it's not, treating this like it's bad. How many think we got a lot of Christians resisting speaking in tongues? Oh man, they'll say that's of the devil. Resisting the gifts of the Spirit. What kind of blessing they are pushing against. How desperately they need the ability to build their self up. Come on, are you listening? And to pray out mysteries about the plan of God. How desperately they need the full manifestation of the Spirit in their life. And they're fighting it. Resisting it. Even calling it of the devil. Well, that's calling it evil. The Bible warns us, don't call good evil. Don't call evil good. We need to know the difference. And we won't know the difference. All in a day or two, we won't know the difference automatically. We won't know the difference because we've been around a long time. How many know you can do the wrong thing for 50 years in a row? (laughs) Just because you've been around doing something a long time doesn't mean you've been doing it right. Say it out loud. Thank you, Lord, for helping me develop. Discerning the difference between good and evil. Go to Luke, please, the 8th chapter. I'm moving too quick. Go to Romans 12 first. Thank you, Lord. I feel mighty blessed this morning. How about you? Here you are sitting in here, me standing here, clothed and in my right mind. I got strength. Got health. Is that right? Got prosperity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cost money. Have a place like this. Have the lights on. Heating and cooling. All these high definition television equipment. Sending this signal all over the world. And we got plenty. We got plenty. Somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you. We got plenty. Thank you Lord. So and so has got more. Well good for them. A lot of folks don't have as much. No. The Bible said if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're not wise. You need to be thankful for what you have. Focus on that and be glad about it. Be thankful. And it's also how you qualify for more. Romans 12, are you there? Verse 1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or some translations say worship, worship. You know, you don't just worship God by singing to him. You worship him with what you do in life. Your service to him is worship. And he's not going to make you do things, you have to present yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm available to you. And we need to do this on a daily basis. Well, if God wants me to do something, he knows where I am. You know, he'll make me do it. No, he won't. And that's a stinky attitude. You really have a free will. And he's not going to make you do something. You have to present yourself and keep presenting yourself. Uh, the Lord showed Phyllis and I that years ago. You know, we were able to help the uh, Hagens, Brother Kenneth Hagen Sr. and Miss Aretha Hagen, his wife, for actually 20 years. But uh, in the beginning, they didn't know us. We didn't know them. And, and the Lord dealt with me, gave me uh, just, just these words, help Brother Hagen. That was my directive. I thought it would be for a few months. Turned out it was for 20 years. Praise the Lord. But uh, what we had to do continuously through that time is keep presenting ourselves before them and says, can we help you? Can we, even after we had been there, worked in the ministry, worked in healing school and in Rainbow Bible Training Center and other things for, I guess it was 15 years, uh, we felt like we were supposed to develop uh, our ministry more 
and give more time to it. And I went and talked to Brother Hagin about it. He said, well, you're not getting any younger. If you're going to do something, you better get to it. <laughs> and so uh, we did. And so I resigned from the school. And, and I thought, as most everybody had done, you know, when you do that, well, you pretty much do your own thing, you know. Well, we were into that for a year or so, a year and a half. And I was in another part of the country praying, getting ready for a service. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, audible voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, uh, I never released you from helping Brother Hagin. I just assumed some things. I assumed because I was no longer working there actively every day as a part of the ministry that we wouldn't have that much interaction. He said, I, I didn't release you from helping him. I thought, uh-oh. I've messed up here. I've made a mistake. So I've talked to Phyllis about it, and we found out they happened to be in Florida. At that, at that, they lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but they happened to be down here having a meeting, actually in Miami. And so uh, we flew down here and, and found them and asked them, could we speak to them when it was convenient? And they said yes, and, and when the appropriate time, we sat down and we said, uh, can we help you anyway? <laughs> Anyway, we can assist you. Well, they had a lot of people helping them. You know, you might imagine big, strong ministry and a lot of people helping them. But that's not all there is to it. Can we help you? Now, it's not that we didn't have anything to do. We had an office. It was busy. We had more invitations than we can get to. I mean, your mind would be saying, what are you doing? But thank God. They said, well, okay, yeah. And Phyllis was involved. Got involved in some ironing. I get I got involved in some singing specials in the service and and helping sometimes driving the car, sometimes holding the coat, sometimes toting a briefcase. All excellent things. How many understand? If you're toting somebody's coat that's changing lives, you have a part of that. The truth is. There's a lot of folks would have a greater impact on the body of Christ as a helps minister than having their own. What are you willing to do? You, you understand? You don't have to have your name on something to be greatly impacting the body of Christ. And so thank God for that next five years, we had some of the greatest times we had ever had. Now, it was busy, man, and it cost us. We had to believe for money to get there and do things. But what I'm saying is we had to make ourselves available to them. Amen. Come on, can you see this? Yeah. You don't just wait and say, well, they know where we are. If they need something, they can call us. No. <laughs> mm -mm. You have that kind of attitude, and you're going to miss out. If the Lord told you to do something, you make yourself available. And if they don't use you, you just make yourself available again. Come on, are you listening? And you just keep making yourself available. But now listen, don't limit it. Don't say, I'm only willing to do this. You got to be willing. The Lord didn't tell me, help Brother Hagin with what? <laughs> help Brother Hagin. And that meant setting up chairs and taking them down, filling out forms, doing some things I really didn't care for. When I was a teacher, they included us in part of the, what do you call it, uh, deciding which students you accept? Admissions. Admissions, applications. So I would have spoken a lot of times, four times that day by four o'clock. And I'd come back to my office and there's a stack of applications this tall. <laughs> and, I, and I have to read them and go through all of them. And this is somebody's life. I can't just skip it. Oh, man. And sometimes I'd come back in, and there's three stacks on my desk. And I've already ministered four times that day. And I was feeling like, I don't know that this is my call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, because it was helping brother. Hey, come on. Can you see this? <laughs> Somebody say, praise the Lord. Where were we before we got into all that? Present yourself. Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, does this sound like what we're reading in Hebrews? That you are, your mind's renewed. 
And you're able to prove and test and then know the difference between this is the will of God. This is not, this can't be the will of God. It's contrary to the word. This is a good thing. No, I don't care how many people are gung-ho over that. That can't be right. It, it disagrees with this, disagrees with that. See, many people are easily misled, easily deceived. They think they're so smart, but they're easily deceived because they're ignorant of the word. Which is why everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Listen, if you miss a chapter or two or ten, don't quit. Don't quit. Just pick up where we are. If the Lord deals with you to make it up, do. If not, then don't. You can do it some other time, but just don't quit. Don't quit. Look at your neighbor. Tell them. Say, don't quit. Don't quit. Read your chapter. Read your chapter. It's through the word, the washing of the water of the word, it's through the the revelation of light and truth from his word that your mind is renewed and through application of that word daily, you're exercising your senses and you come to know the difference between good and bad, right and wrong, yield to and resist. Can you see that? In verse 9, same chapter, Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation. That means no phoniness, no fakeness. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Other translations say hate the evil and love the good. Not talking about hating people, it's hating what is evil, hating evil itself. You need to have some strong feelings about these things, not just passive, not just whatever. They're things you need to hate and feel very strongly about. I hate poverty. It kills people. That's why people starve to death. I hate sickness and disease. I despise it. Don't you? It takes the beautiful marvel of creation of the human body. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it can twist it and distort it and destroy it until it barely resembles a human anymore. It's devilish. It's evil. Don't try to tell me God's in that disease. He's not. He's not. There are things you need to love. And there are things you need to hate. Need to have some passion about you. Some fire in your belly. Is that right? Don't be a little whatever, whatever, milk toast. Well, I'm just I'm just neutral on everything. (laughs) Then you're just nothing then. Have some backbone. Have some fire. Come on, are you listening? Love God. Hate evil. Love people. Hate anything that hurts them. Hate anything that destroys them. Stir up. I thought we weren't supposed to hate. We're reading scriptures. There's many scriptures that deal with this. <laughs> Selah. Pause a second and think about that. Verse 21, notice this. And this is a powerful, powerful part of what we're touching right now. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil. With good. Say that loud. Overcome, Overcome. Evil. evil. With what? Good. Well, you fight fire with fire. That's not a scripture. <laughs> I said that's not a scripture. You don't fight fire with fire. Now, maybe out in the forest, actual forest fire, <laughs> but not in life. What's Jesus talking about? If somebody slaps the fire out of you, you know what your flesh will want to do? Fight fire with more fire. Slap them back. Give them a taste of their own medicine. You know, slap them back harder. But you know what that is? 
that's trying to overcome evil with the same kind. Oh, friend, is everybody awake? Is everybody awake? If somebody slaps you and hurts your feelings and you slap them back, how have you done any better than them? Which is why Jesus talked about this. Man, it's quiet in here. If somebody cusses you out and you cuss them out, how have you done any better than them? How are you any better in any way? All you did was replace one evil with another. And you can't overcome evil with evil. And you, that's what you'll see in the world is this, that's why people call it dog eat dog, this vicious cycle of violence and more violence responding and then more violence back. And that's how things develop into full scale wars and cities are destroyed. And you know who's laughing? The destroyer. We've seen some things in recent times. Mobs in the street. Yelling and screaming. Burning things to the ground. How many understand? This is the devil. I don't care what cause somebody had in mind. When you see stealing, killing, and destroying. That's the devil in manifestation. And he wants to work all of us up into a mindless frenzy. Until we are doing stuff we don't even realize we're doing. But that's not how you overcome something bad with more bad. Oh, this is one of the greatest truths we could ever understand, friends. Let's say you've got something that's really bad in your life. How can you absolutely overcome it with something good? Hallelujah. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but I think in time to come, we're going to talk about the witness of his goodness. God's goodness is one of the biggest parts of his witness. And if somebody is mean to you and you're good to them, it is a manifestation of the reality of God in the earth because unsaved people don't act like that. Somebody is cruel to you, somebody hurts you, and you turn around and do something good for them with no ulterior motive, not asking for anything in return. That is evidence in their face that God exists and that he is real. Love is the biggest part of our witness. He said, by this shall all men know. Everybody know. That you're my disciples. You can't overcome evil with more evil. All you did is replace one evil with another evil. It can't be overcome that way. And the devil just laughs about it. Because it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's what he likes. He's thrilled with people being killed and mutilated and ripped apart and destroyed. He's th- he, that's, that's what does it for him. He is evil to the core. It's just every evil thing that any human being ever did was you got a glimpse of him. That's his internal core nature. That's who he is. And he's never going to change. And I'm not going to shed one tear when he gets thrown into the lake of fire. He's evil to the core. The main thing you and I need to do is not yield to him ever in any measure. But before you'd know To cling to the good and abhor the evil, you'd have to know what is good and what is evil. And like we said, you're not going to get that automatically. That comes day in, day out, feeding on the word, learning the difference through him teaching us. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Lord. Go to 3 John. I'm trying to get you to Luke, but... We got to be ready before we get there, right? Or you, you don't want to miss something because you weren't ready to to hear it. Just one chapter in Third John. Third John, verse one. Third John one, the elder to the well beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Every time you see that word truth, I want you to say it out loud. 
truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Prospering must be good. And be in health. It's good to be in health. I mean, you don't have to be very smart to know that. Right? To not be in pain. To feel good. Be able to do what you need to do. That's good. Anything that's hindering that's not good. He said, even as your soul prospers, it's good to prosper on the outside. It's good to prosper on the inside. Prospering on the outside is connected to prospering on the inside. He said, for I rejoiced greatly. How many believe we're not just hearing John, we're hearing the Holy Spirit through John. So we're actually hearing the Father. Does the Father rejoice? He said, I rejoice greatly. When the brethren came and testified of the truth truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth. truth. What does that have to do with prospering and being in health, even as your soul prospers? It's truth. It's what's going to cause it to happen. Verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in Truth. truth. Keep reading. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of your love before the church, whom if you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, you shall do well. You know what a godly sort is? With abundance. Honoring them with abundance. Somebody said, boy, they dealt with them after a godly sort. That meant you blessed them. You did some nice things for them. And if you do that, you'll do well. Verse 7. Because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. He's talking about ministers and people doing things for them. That they were honest and good ministers and weren't covetous and weren't money hungry. And he said because you're doing things for them and helping them, you're fellow helpers to the truth itself. Did you say truth that time? Truth. <laughs> better, better watch. Let's, let's stay sharp. Nine. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, receives us not. Somebody there had got the big head. And the thing they loved was being in charge. Everybody see it and knowing them. He said, wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his deeds, which he does. Prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith, neither does he himself receive the brethren, but forbids them that would and casts them out of the church. So there were some people that were genuine ministers and good people and approved and and commended by John. And here this guy, Diotrephes, rejects them, won't let anybody help them. The enemy is always trying to get in and he tries to use somebody in the church. He preferred to use somebody in leadership. He can cause more damage. Verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Now what's he been talking about this whole time? And now he says good. He's been talking about truth. Truth, 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 truth. And then he says follow what's good. Good is truth. And truth is good. If we want to learn about what good is, by its very nature, it is true. It is genuine. It is real. Good, right, truth overlap in their meanings. Said out loud, good is true. Truth is good. I want you to notice these words. Truth. Trust. How similar are they? Because they have the same roots. Honor. Honesty. Because they have the same basic meaning. People divide them because of deception and confusion. There can be no honor without honesty. Amen. 
You hear sometimes criminal groups talking among themselves about honor and then turn around and lie. You can't be an honorable man and be a deceiver. And see, this is part of what we need to be developed to where we can discern. Somebody says, well, they're a good person. You know, they'll lie to you some, but they basically got a good heart. Well, I'm sorry, it's just not true. I'm not saying they can't be redeemed. But if you choose a lie over the truth, that doesn't reflect that you're a good person. That shows you've got heart problems. They can be fixed. I said they can be fixed. But you're not okay being like that. Now it'd be hard to find a person in this building or the thousands watching online that has never told a lie. So we won't ask for a show of hands. We won't won't get into that. It starts young. Because guess who is the originator, the father of lying? God didn't create lying. Lying is not a part of God's original creation. Lying, no form of deception has come from God at all. In fact, what does the Bible say about God and lying? It is impossible for God to lie. Now, how often do you hear the word impossible linked with God? But when it comes to lying and deception, and yet you've got whole groups would tell you, I, I've heard of preachers, I've heard of people call themselves priests, and in other groups and other so-called, especially other religions, they talk about divine deception. You know that God will use a little white lie to further his purpose, and that really how it turns out is the thing, and the ends justify the means. This is a dangerous thought. This is mixing good and evil. It is confusion. God has never been, to any degree, a partner to a lie. Ever. Ever. He won't lie for you. He will, And thank God, because if he won't lie for you, he'll never lie to you. And if you know he never lies to you, you know you can trust him. You can't have trust without truth you can't have if you trust something you know is lying to you you're a fool and if somebody's been a liar that's bad it's not the end I said it's not the end you may have been one of the biggest liars in the county but do you know by the grace of God that can change this morning that can change in here Right now, by the grace of God, you can change and become someone that is trustworthy. Become a man or a woman of honor. Become one that can be trusted. Hallelujah. And that means you become a good man. A good woman. You can't separate good from true. I know this sounds simple, but this is a very powerful Truth. Say it out loud. Good Good. is true. true. Truth Truth. is good. Is God good? Is he truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. Do you know what the gospel is called? It's the word of truth. You know what the spirit of God is called? The spirit of truth. truth. Somebody say truth. 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 Is God good? What is good? Good is truth. Good is true. Hallelujah. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. And he's been talking the whole chapter about truth, 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 truth. He that does good is of God. He that does evil has not seen God. When And how did evil begin in the earth with human beings? God created the heavens and the earth. God made man in his own image. God made 
uh, woman from man there in the garden, beautiful, perfect. Everything God made was good and very good. There wasn't a thing in it that you could look at it and say, now that ain't so good. That's bad. Not one thing could you have found. Where did it all go wrong? Where was the beginning of evil? When the serpent told a lie. Isn't that where it all went wrong? And they stood there and listened to the lie. They already have the truth. Don't they? God gave them his word. Is his word true? But they stood there and listened to a lie. And the evil thing is that they chose the lie instead of the truth. And chose to believe the lie and act on the lie. And when they did that, it caused everything to be cursed and to fall. And you and I are dealing with the results today. So we have evil in the earth that's not of God. Not pleasing to God. Not the will of God. And it all came back. Trace it back to its origin. Where did it come from? How did the devil start it? With deception. Has God said? No. You won't really die. That is a complete lie. It's just a lie. What should they have done? They should have loved The truth. And come on, help me out. What's the other part? Hated the lie. He said, say what? You going to stand here and call God a liar? Tell me what he says not true? How many understand? They should have shut him down so fast. Is that right? They should have sent him packing. God gave Adam authority to keep that place. He should have sent him packing. Shouldn't he? Yes. And you're not all be in perfection in paradise today. Mrs. Man, Adam and Eve, how come you had to mess everything else up? You'd have done the same thing. Mrs. Oh, no, no. The only way you could sit here today and say, I wouldn't do it, is if you had never sinned. And you can't say that. That's what they did. Choosing a lie over the truth. Choosing evil over good. Go to John 3, please. Not third John. Big John. (laughs) Big John. (laughs) John 3. Then I think we're going to Luke 8, and then I think we will release you to go do good. And rain good down on the world around you. And overcome some evil. Oh, come on. Anybody excited about that or not? How can you absolutely overcome? Overcome means you put it down. You shut it down. You overcame it. How can you overcome evil? Not with more evil. Not with more slapping and cussing. That'll never do it. You just replaced one evil with another. How can you overcome hate? With love. How can you overcome cursing with blessing? How can you overcome death with life? You overcome evil with good. In uh, John, the third chapter, verse 16, anybody know John 3.16? God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Keep going. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Did you know he's not the condemner? Don't say, the Holy Spirit condemned me about that. That's an incorrect statement. What he will do is enlighten you. He will convict you. Which is not the same as condemn you. Convict. Another word would be convince. Of what's truth. A lot of times when you see what's good and right. 
and you see how far short of it you've come and how bad you've messed up, then your heart condemns you. But that's not the Holy Spirit condemning you. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. Who's that? Who's that? Who's not condemned in here? I want to. Not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And what you're going to see is because they chose lies instead of truth. That's why they're condemned. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because they were in darkness and don't want to come out. Their deeds were evil. So they don't want to see the light. They don't want to hear the truth. Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light. Lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth. He that does what? That does what? Truth. Truth as opposed to evil. Come in, can you see the contrast? The word good and truth is used interchangeably, synonymously. He that does truth, you can say it like this, does good, comes to the light. Because he just got through saying, he that does evil, he, he wants to stay in the dark. He won't come to the light. But he that does truth, good, comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Somebody say, I love what's right. I love what's good. I love the truth. And I hate a lie. You didn't say you hate liars. You don't hate people. But you do hate a lie. You hate deception. Because it destroys people. Go to Luke now. Luke 8, please. I know we've given you a lot of scripture, but would you rather have my opinion? (laughs) Nope. You can't say it any better than this. Luke 8 is the parable of the sower sowing the seed and the seed falling on the different types of ground. Now, What is the seed that the sower sowed? The word. Jesus said the sower sows the the word. Seed is the word. He also said in John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So when he's sowing seed, he's sowing the word, he's sowing truth. And so the results are The results of the truth that was sown into people's lives. And people worldwide are represented by four types of ground in this teaching Jesus gave. There was the wayside ground. The word of truth, the good word, was sown on them and never got in them. It just got on top of them, wayside. And the birds of the air, which is a representation of the enemy, came and stole it away. It never got in them. It never produced anything in them. Are there a lot of people who hear truth, but it never changes their lives? It just fell on them. They never got it. Then there was the uh, stony ground. And stony ground means a little bit of topsoil and rock under the bottom. It's kind of like Branson. It's amazing down here. You can dig a hole anywhere. You think it's no, no big deal. You hit sand. Man, in Branson, you got to break out the jackhammer to put up your mailbox. <laughs> uh, am I joking? <laughs> uh, it, you talk about rock. Rock, rock. Well, that's one of the reasons, I guess, and this is just Keith's crazy idea. But this is one of the reasons, I guess, there were so many moonshiners in the Ozarks. Because it's hard to grow crops. <laughs> And the cows keep falling off the hills. And I told you it was crazy. But how many understand if you want to grow good crops, you don't need that much topsoil and just rock. Because what's the seed going to do? It's going to try to reach the moisture and the nutrients. It's going to hit that rock. And then when the sun hits it, 
and it can't get more moisture, it's going to dry up. Had no depth of earth. There was a shallow reception, and when persecution became because of the word, it dried up. They never got any fruit. Then there was the uh, thorny ground, where the, uh, the word was sown, and it took root and began to grow up. But also all these briars and weeds begin to grow up. And it grew up around it. All these other things. The Bible said they were cares of life. Lusts for other things. Choked out the word. Isn't that something that there are things that can actually choke the word out of your life? Isn't that something? How many of we need to watch about our other involvements in life? That they not become more important to us than what than his things. But the last one, Luke 8, 15, the other fell on good ground. What kind of ground? What kind of ground? What kind of ground? Good ground. We got a good God. His seed is good. His word is good. He's the source of good. He does only good. What, you know what he needs for his good seed? He needs some good ground. So we can get some good harvest. Get some good fruit. And that's what's going on throughout the earth. Is God looking for those that will be his. His for eternity. How can you tell what's good ground and what's not good ground? Read the verse. Read the verse. That on the good ground are they which in a what? Honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. It don't all produce overnight. You got to stay with it. Verse 16, he goes on to talk about the light. Other scriptures, you know, in Matthew and in Mark said he produced 30, 60, 100 fold. Not the wayside ground, they didn't produce anything. Not the stony ground, they didn't produce anything. Not the thorny ground, didn't produce anything. Now this is a sobering thought. Three out of the four groups heard the same good word, but produced nothing. That's 75% if you're going to divide it up equally. I don't know that that's the case, but it doesn't sound good. Which group do you want to be in? Good ground. What would make you good ground? What's a good a good heart is an honest heart. Don't let this be too simple. Don't think, well, you know, yeah, everybody knows it's good to be. No, no, it's not good to be. For the true believer, it's your only option. We don't consider lying an option. Jesus would die for you, but he wouldn't lie for you. Amen. He wouldn't lie for you to save your life. But he would die for you to save your life, and he did. How about you? How about you? How about you? Will you make up your mind? I wouldn't lie for you for no amount of money. That's, this is kind of soft in here right now. You agree with this or not? How many go? Are you going to be good ground? You can't be. You can't have a good heart. You can't be a good person until you make the decision. I'm done with lying. I'm done with deception. I'm done with hiding and covering and deceiving because all that is straight from the devil. God can't be a partner to any of that. And sometimes telling the truth is hard. It is. People get scared. That's why they lie. But all you're doing is causing more evil to come into your life. Yielding to the evil one because you can't can't get an idea to deceive from God. So where'd you get it from? You're in cooperation with the evil one, giving place to him. And that's why he has access to do more evil things. And I may notice you tell one lie. If you're going to keep it up, uh, they're inconsistent. So you have to try to cover. Well, I thought you said this. Uh, 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 uh. How are you going to explain it? Lies are inconsistent. They can't be otherwise. How many understand you're better off stepping up and taking your medicine? 
Is that right? Just dealing with it now because it's going to come out. Some way, somehow, if not here and now, could be after this life. And that'd be way worse. Right? Deal with it now. Get it out now. The longer you go, the worse it's going to be. Because you don't want to be any of these other types of ground. You want to be the kind of ground that receives the word. The devil can't steal it out of you. It puts roots down. It springs branches up. It produces fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. What is that 30, 60, 100 fold? It's the fruit of the good word producing good things in your life. And I'm just starting to understand other people can partake of the good fruit. That's in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Focus on him for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sit out loud with your eyes closed, please. I love God. I love good. And I hate evil. I love truth. And I hate lies. Forgive me, Lord. For any lie. Any deception. I know you hate it. And I hate it too. And I put it away from me. And I resist it. It's of the devil. I want nothing to do with it. In Jesus name. Thank you. For showing me the difference. Between good and evil. Right and wrong. Truth and deception. I love you. Oh hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.